Welcome to Editing Aloud, and I have with me as usual a team of South Africa's best and best informed journalists. This week we've had more detail emerging on the activities of global management consultancy McKinsey, which seems to have had fingers in many pies, not only taking Eskom for 1.1 billion rand in just six months, but also doing lots of work for Transnet at very vast prices, and getting its fingers into the Department of Cooperative Government, um, local, local government. Um, Sikonati, your cover story for the Financial Mail this week is Genie Out of the bo Bottle, How McKinsey and Trillion Milked Billions from South Africa Incorporated. Run us through the gory details. I can tell you it's a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Stefan uh, Hofstadter went all the way back and found the person that had sold a company called Mac uh, Trillion. Uh, to, to, to Salim Esa, and he didn't know who the buyer was, uh, but it was just some BE entity uh, buying the stock. Uh, and uh, at, in that year, in 2012, uh, Trillion had a revenue of 2.7 million rand, and it made profit of 440,000 rands for that year. And, and he, the, 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 uh, ESA bought it, 60% of the, of, the, of the shares, uh, and the others were held by staff and uh, other managers like Eric Wood. And boom, 800 million rands within six months was revenue they built only from ESCOM and, and indeed uh, from Transnet. Together with McKinsey, they built 2.4 billion rand in one year from both Transnet and, and ESCOM. And to do that, uh, they, they found a way, or ESCOM uh, and indeed Transnet found a way to kick out a company called Litsima Holdings that was started by, uh, by Isaac Shongwe, who was at that time a uh, director of, uh, of Palo World. Uh, it, they kicked them out of the, of the locomotives uh, tender at Transnet, uh, uh, saying there's a conflict of interest, and, and they inserted the regiments, but then at that point regiments as well was, uh, was morphing into, into trillion because Lita Nyonya and, uh, and the other guys at regiments were not very uh, compliant and they were not letting in uh, the Guptas, so, so to speak. So this is now Trillion, which is a Gupta company, yep. working with Eskom as, um, working with McKinsey, as McKinsey's partner in crime, if you like, Absolutely. to take all these enormous contracts. Tim, what would global management consultancies do for 2.1 billion? No, 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 it's incredible. I mean, if you, if you, uh, um, you know, somebody did the math somewhere. I mean, they were earning 50 million rand a day. I mean, it was like the most, it, it, the, 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 the size of the contract alone tells you that this was a fraudulent deal because there's no management consultancy on the planet that charges that kind of rate, uh, that can charge that kind of rate. Normally consultancies, you know, the consultancies will try and pitch the idea of taking a proportion of their, of what they, uh, managed to save the organization. Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, and normally companies try and, uh, uh, and counter-argue against it and rather argue for a, you know, uh, uh, per, per a hourly fee. Per hourly fee, per number of people who are going to work on the, uh, work on the contract. Uh, and that's because, you know, essentially the, 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 the uh, you know, if you are running the company, the management choice, the management decisions are yours. So you shouldn't be uh, paying somebody else to, you know, to take the kind of uh, management decisions. You should rather be paying them. But you know, there's no, there's no uh, number of people 
and there's no amount that you're paying at, a, at an hourly rate that can get you close to the amount of money that they were uh, um, that they were getting. I mean, the, uh, you know, the, to me, the irony of this whole thing was that the you know the contract was obviously engineered by Trillion, who brought McKinsey along for you know sort of notional credibility and stuff like that. But McKinsey still got you know seventy percent of the of the actual money. McKinsey you did know, the work. What work was done by the sound of it, McKinsey did. It's mm. not clear what m uh, what Trillion did at all. Yeah, no, yeah. McKinsey like needed a PE partner, and, and somehow from but the initial was McKinsey and Regiments had the yes. had the relationship, and what Eric Wood did, for, who was at Regiments, uh, formed this uh, Trillion, went into partnership yeah. with Trillion, and they got into bed with uh, McKinsey. And uh, I guess Eric Wood, I think in the Regiments uh, group, he was the one who was working close with McKinsey so he knew what McKinsey needed and knew the BE's uh, uh, status so he brought in Trillion alongside uh, and this is bringing the Gupta's and became the empowerment co uh, partner for McKinsey and then they ate from the trough that's it, it was how it worked out. It was Kuben Moodley who played golf with Salim Essa and, and Eric Wood that actually introduced uh, McKinsey into Transnet uh, uh, with Salim Essa and then they, they, they took a share of that and, and when things were not going their way they, they, they went and, and offered to buy 50% of, of regiments this is the Guptas and they yeah. even called them to their to, yeah. to, to, to the company. But I think that was disturbing in a way. I mean McKinsey had done work uh, actual management consulting for ESCOM and Transnet mm. before, as far as I know, re-engineering. Yep. Yes. McKinsey's mm. known for that globally. They come in and they and save organizations. The, these guys were yes. taking a cut but in the background. This turned into a major state capture story yeah. where, where they were like quite serious snouts at the trough. And as it turns out, they were looking for government work with, with our four-day finance minister mm. now at cooperative they had a yeah, sheet of nine point well. four billion rand that they wanted to extract from ESCOM and, and Transnet and in the uh, and the minister and his new advisors that also came from Trillion and Regiments went there with a spreadsheet of of, of projects they were going to approve. Mm -hmm. and, were brilliant, and they right? were going to divide mm -hmm. and they were going to divide the money like 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 they did with Trillion and McKinsey, and uh, so uh, Trillion brought all the political deals, the connection and everything, and McKinsey came and did the work. Now I shall tell you in business day uh, soon, I, I, I've, I, I've got the actual contract now between McKinsey and ESCOM and we're going to see, I can, I've never seen a contract as vague as that one. I repeat, it's between McKinsey and with, with ESCOM. There's absolutely no trillion there, but uh, there's, there's a letter trillion where Eric Wood says, uh, but we know, you know what our understanding is between, between ESCOM and McKinsey and that understanding is never put in writing. Mm -hmm. I don't know, like, uh, I guess what, what is uh, the whole thing is a trillion bringing all this, but I think the, the person we actually must look at is McKenzie. Because they, they, they brought in tri uh, trillion for the political win, right? So, the but and they've been central to South Africa's procurement programs, and the big uh, spenders have been translated ESCOM. And at the center of it, advising what to spend on what to do has been McKenzie. And at some point, they played the political game. And McKenzie's head guy, one, one guy's lost his job, I forgot his name from McKenzie. He decided that look, this is the only way to do business in South Africa right now, and it, and hence the a trillion, the creation of trillion through Eric Wood, the regiments, why they, at the center of it all, is McKenzie. As much Ron, as we talk Ron, about this is this is so actually what I wanted, yeah. what, what I want to know. Okay, so mm. one guy's lost his job, yeah, big deal big in deal. a global mm. consultancy that did two billion at least that mm. we know about, mm. and there's presumably more. Mm. So now, why has McKinsey not been the target of public anger, of outrage from the clients, of outrage from the public, um, uh, in the way that 
um, KPMG, KPMG has been and before that Bill Pottinger was. Why has McKinsey really got away with this pretty well so far, so far? One thing KPMG has is that there's a presence. We know the building. You see that building. So there's something to rally against, right? McKinsey's always been the shadow. Everyone knows this consultancy. Everyone kind of knows. But it's a very highbrow in, in, the, in the shadow type of thing. I think their biggest fear is the U.S. courts, and that's where uh, is that corruption watch has gone open a case there. Okay. I think that mm -hmm. is where McKenzie is most fearful of uh, having a kickback there, because it's always operated in the shadow. We always know of this, of this McKenzie and the bank, yes. and, and McKenzie. That's how I guess it escaped it. Also, yeah. so, do you think we should be sort of setting the it lynch mob on McKenzie as as it the it lynch mob has gone for KPMG? It's actually a bit KPMG. too early to say they have escaped. Mm. Uh, uh, it was Bell Pottinger first, now KPMG. Next, we are going for McKinsey. <laughs> uh, and, and definitely those people that do business with KPMG and with all of them. It's too early to say they have escaped. They, 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 they still need to answer the question. I asked them yesterday, I had quite a nice conversation on email with, uh, with McKinsey. What exactly did you do at ESCOM to, uh, to, to, to get that money? You're going to read all about it in Business Day uh, soon. Thank you, Sika. But um, now, surely there is a real concern now about the sort of mounting outrage at KPMG and what that could mean for the audit profession, especially given that um, KPMG hasn't done enough, which it, it's admitted, but it has gone pretty far. I mean, to find mm. your entire top leadership and mm. bring in a new chief exec who's not even an auditor and um, sort of really embarrass yourself in public and, and institute an independent inquiry globally. Um, why is there not a concern that, that, that the sort of outrage at KPMG is going to fall, that the yes. firm may go under? Well, I think there is, you know, I mean, you're talking about kind of contingency risk in the same way that you were talking, uh, that you talk about it in a sort of general way about, about banks. But the difference, the big difference is that, you know, the, uh, um, there's, there's contingency risk with banks because they borrow from each other and they lend it. They're all part of the institution. If one falls, then, you know, drags all of the others down. Um, the same kind of relationship sort of exists with auditors, but not to the same extent. Um, so, you know, the only example that we've got was um, Arthur Anderson. When Arthur Anderson collapsed, um, actually the, the, the auditing profession wasn't, uh, as, a, as a whole, wasn't affected. Uh, Arthur Anderson was incorporated, strangely enough, into KPMG, and you know the uh, uh, because really though you know the uh, auditors you know in a sense they like lawyers they are you know operating their own clients and their own accounts you know that that they they uh, they're not they are, they are you know the, the the overall brand is useful but uh, the actually work is done by you know in in uh, in teams I mean the uh, you know I do think I do feel a bit for uh, KPMG now because. You know, they, I think they have gone quite far. I mean, if you compare what they've done compared to what, uh, uh, what, uh, uh, what McKinsey have done and how much money they got and how much money McKinsey got, I mean, it's just black and white. You know, there's totally two different situations. Uh, McKinsey got billion. Uh, you know, uh, uh, KPMG's, you know, total audit fees for the... 10 years or whatever it was, you know, it was in the hundreds of millions. It wasn't uh, mm. uh, anything like the profitability and the, uh, uh, and, and as you say, they've, you know, they've made a real effort, you know, they've, you know, uh, uh, um, sort of cleaned out the entire top management. Uh, the, um, so, you know, the, the problem is that, that you know, <laughs> uh, they're in a kind of, they're in, you know, a sort of legal and, 
and uh, reputational bind. Because now, if you are sitting in a company that has KPMG as the auditor, uh, you know, what incentive is there for you to say, let's keep them on? You know, yeah. there's no incentive. You know, the, 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 the smart choice is just say, oh, let's somebody else. Ron, you know, I mean the, the implications for the profession are, are quite profound. I think I think as as Loisy Baum from Deloitte has said and, and former finance minister Trevor Manuel said, nobody is celebrating this yeah. um, in the audit profession and it's got a real issue which which this has highlighted. Mm. Um, and at the same time, we've had the World Economic Forum rankings yeah. on South Africa really plummeting yeah. in part because auditing yeah. perceptions are plummeted. Yeah. I mean, what what needs to be done to rebuild the trust in the profession? Uh, I mean, keeping, keeping, uh, I would agree with Tim, has done quite a lot to try and rebuild itself, but I mean, it's, it's a long road to come. Uh, the key thing for, I guess, KPMG really needs, and I guess that's why the Reserve Bank came out and saying this, is for the big banks not to, not, not to dump them. And from there, start a slow rebuild of that reputation. But if, if anything of that happens, if one of the big banks leaves them, then I, I don't know. I mean, we're stuck with three big, uh, big auditing firms in the country and the smaller ones, which actually, at the moment, can't absorb the, the amount of work that KP that KPMG that would do. So that will leave the profession itself in, in quite a... Sticky, but I, KPMG, the, the, I mean, it's still going to unfold over the coming months and into next year, but it's quite also a We also, in a sense, I think, I think there was a call for KPMG yeah. International to move in and, and take charge and give the quality occurrence that, that clients are looking for. And we're going to come back to these and other issues after the break. South Africa has a new licensed bank for, I think, the first time in 18 years. Time, which was granted its banking license the other day by the Reserve Bank, which has brought competition into the banking sector. Ron, um, is this the sign of things to come? Are we opening up the sector? Finally. I, mean, I guess on the retail banking footprint, this is exciting times. Right? Was, I mean, uh, looking at Time, was going to be in 800 pick-and-pay stores. Uh, they have about 350 staff. So it's quite a, and compare that to a, a net bank with how many 38,000-odd staff and how many branches they have. It's quite an interesting time. Uh, Time, actually, it's a nice <laughs> name for it. And Patrice Mutepe behind it. So they have some, some guy with, with deep pockets behind it. So it's quite interesting time. There's talk of, at some point, Telcom uh, getting a banking license. Or there was talk of them being interested in discovery. Discovery and so on. So this is a the third one. Oh, the post office. The post yes. office mm. as well. So you imagine banking costs now becoming an issue. I, I'm just trying to imagine if you are competing with a discovery bank that has maybe one or two branches and has this host of clients, what are their costs of making a Ryan compared to, say, a standard bank? So it's going to be interesting what happens in the, for the, the big banks on their retail side. The one thing I, I know we never talk about is like maybe the investment banking, the investment part of banking then becomes, for the big four anyway, a more important uh, crutch in their business because it's a, a therefore the for taking. And retail goes to every, every time we, we can just prove that they have some banking capabilities and get a license and then that'll... I mean that um, that uh, changes the whole the whole mm. banking on, on its head in a trip. Siko, are you moving your bank account to to time? Uh, not yet, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm moving it away from Standard Bank though because of KPMG. <laughs> uh, time is a great is a great intervention. It's going to to take it f from where Capital uh, started uh, lowering bank uh, fees. And indeed, you go on Sunday now to a shopping mall on a Saturday afternoon at 5 p.m. You see. Even NetBank open, Standard Bank open. That's all because of 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 Capitec. Now time is coming in uh, minus all the, the the cost of the of the of the, uh, of the French 
beaches and things. Yeah, yeah. The, you go to pick and pay, you pay next to nothing. So great. I, I, I'm opening perhaps f uh, for my children's bank accounts there, but I'm moving my bank account from, uh, from Standard Bank because they refuse uh, to, to, to dump KPMG. <laughs> and they in fact tell me that let's give KPMG time. Uh, and I'm not giving them time. They're not stealing a cent more of my money with my permission. Oh. And yeah. but, but at the same time, I mean, at least you have a bank, and, and so do we all. Now the Guptas um, are very close to not having a bank, and mm. they seem, according to Business Day today, to have lost their payment uh, provider as well. So how is this family and their business interest going to operate at all? Well, do we care? The... Uh, no, I mean, you know, this is the, ri the, 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 the risk that you run if, you, if your business model you is... If you laundering money. To launder model, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that you know, nobody wants to, uh, uh, you know, uh, wants to finance you. you the, uh, so, you know, uh, um, I mean, I think, of, I think people are looking at this, you know, they're sort of like saying, shame, the poor Guptas, they can't pay, you know. I mean, th that's what, this is what happens. This is the consequence, you know, the... Uh, um, I mean, it, the, the, theoretically, they can use uh, pay agents. I mean, they're not. Nobody's had to before in this, you know, way. Uh, so, uh, you know, these are they, they sort of, you know, pop up organisations in some senses, uh, um, and that's one of the things that you know we, we discovered was that they these are not w well established, <laughs> you know, uh, um, institutions. Uh, because no one's needed them before. Yes. Uh, this is this is a very w effective way, in a way, of sanctioning private sector people who do wrong. Uh, we've so far had no sanction for any public sector people yeah. in Eskom or Transnet or anyone uh, anywhere else mm -hmm. that have done wrong. And and um, I mean, is there any sign that with this unfolding in terms of Trillion and Eskom and the Guptas and KPMG, is there any sign of any action by the the sort of underlying cause of all of, in other words, the Guptas and their friends in very high places? Oh, right. nothing. Well, politically, very we know they're very pr protected. But my interesting thing about the Guptas thing, you know, th this banking issue happened was it late, late, late last year when the banks started yeah. squeezing on them. But where are the 7,500 employees? Like, uh, so we can visibly see what, what, what's this caught in them. It kind of strikes me as where's the strikes and so on to show that the Guptas can't pay. Or are they paying anyone? Are they paying 7,500 odd people? So it's quite interesting to see how this unfolds. Should I don't, I, 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 I don't quite believe this. 7,500 <laughs> yeah, anymore. Was <laughs> this way we should <laughs> be seeing some hurts on the streets, right? We should see Kosato yeah. marching. Sukunati, like going back to one mm. of their favorite clients and Capturees, uh, Eskom, uh, you've written a column this week about the most useless chief executive. <coughs> yes, there's, there's a guy there. His name is Johnny Lala. He's acting chief executive officer. He replaced another acting chief executive officer who had replaced an acting chief executive officer. Stage of action. Uh, yeah, so he's the seventh CEO of Eskom since March 2014, but so he's absolutely the most useless chief executive officer. They might as well put like an empty chair there or his jacket, he, it, it might do as uh, much better than he does. He came in, uh, ESCOM had done all these investigations. Of course, the, when they become inconvenient, mm -hmm. they, they, they all get dropped. But there's sufficient evidence in the in investigation they have done to prosecute at least five people. They have been forced by Business Day now to, to suspend them. Uh, the, the guys that did the McKinsey Trillion deal, uh, including Anoj Singh and Machela Koko and Prish Gavender. Uh, and the, the, the chief executive keeps making every possible excuse 
hot and cold why they should not act. He's there 110 days now and he's done absolutely nothing to fix ESCOM. And I'm talking about Johnny Lally. Yes. I agree with Sika, but you know the the um, uh, but you know the problem is that he's not alone. <laughs> you know his argument is, if I understand it correctly, tell me if I'm wrong, that uh, that you know they've done the initial investigation, but in order to do a formal investigation, they need you know they need the uh, stamp of approval from the Tim politicians, and they don't get the stamp of approval from the politicians, so they can't do anything. As you would, if by the way, if you were a private sector organisation, uh, you would, and you had sort of like an errant division or something like that. You would go to the board and say, you know, uh, you board, what do we do? Yeah. You know, and the board would declare what, what they What ESCOM has done, uh, has paid millions of rent of yeah. our money and it's coming back to ask for more money from us in the form of a 20% in, in yeah. increase. They've paid Bowman's, they've paid Dentons, they've paid uh, uh, Cliff Decker, they've mm. paid Nkonki in Saluba. All of these have produced evidence and said, that guy, that guy, that guy, cancel those contracts, get the money back. They've done absolutely nothing. And these are matters that fall directly under Johnny Ladler's competence. How, how, it does how, not need how, the However, on Slatin, I'm not defending him because I don't know him. He's like number seven in That's in the problem. Years, if right? you knew him, you but would not as, be saying As Tim is saying, so the, the investigations come to the board, he, he was saying, whatever come. But at some point, the shareholder, ultimately, right. one shareholder, goes ahead with whatever must happen beyond that. Th right? There's something called the delegation of authority. Yeah. This falls squarely under him. I'm, I'm, only, I'm only talking about those I'm things. I'm not defending, but he's, he's acting. acting exactly. That's, what, that's the low hanging fruit. What does he have? Yes. That's Tell the low hanging fruit. That like that 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 that's the low hanging fruit. If Johnny, if Johnny <laughs> was worth that's the low hanging fruit that an acting means. Usually I'm going to take a second slide I mean, he, you know, in normal circumstances, you would, you know, uh, uh, you know the, the, the things would be referred to the board yeah. and stuff. But surely this is so egregious yeah. that you take action. It's the low-hanging fruit that any incoming executive should be doing, like boom, 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 out you it's go. It's the low-hanging fruit that the minister should be doing. No, right? no, the hey, minister does not run yeah. the executive. The, these but we things know fall squarely. That's exactly what makes him the worst, seven the, the most useless chief executive officer that has ever. I mean, <laughs> even Machela Koko was useful. He promoted 40 women in one day in the three days that he was acting chief executive. Johnny Radler has done absolutely nothing. There's all the evidence before him. All the investigation ESCOM has already paid for. He's just sitting there twiddling his thumbs and following uh, Lynn Brown around. ไอ้ชายวงสกรีนเซอร์ออเรนแอบซูดลี่เอนเดอร์โซสอะไรแบบนี้อันนั้นเป็นโปรแกรมแอนด์เซมอันนั้นก็ไม่ได้ไม่
you know the, uh, the and they are, toll roads yeah so so in order to build a toll road all of a sudden now you you have to tick a whole bunch of boxes you have to be a level two uh, B player you have to blah blah blah, blah and the, uh, the uh, so you know it's almost as though uh, there's two problems here the first problem is and you know we've seen this before with ESCOM imposing its own black empowerment deal you know uh, on on its clients or its, its uh, suppliers you know th uh, which is contrary to the government deal you know the uh, so you know the situation is becoming more and more confused you know there's a an official you know black empowerment position and then there's people within the organizations who say no 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 that's not enough we've got to go further and you know all of a sudden the problem is that you know for the construction industry the uh, you know that they've uh, you know they've they've now spent an enormous amount of time uh, striking this deal and now they're still going to be excluded from uh, you know the existing construction place they're still going to be excluded from uh, building roads uh, and there are apparently you know thousands of you know of uh, tenders that uh, you know that can't be filled because there's no one actually to fill them you know in this so in in a sense what that does is it creates the conditions where you know sort of fly-by-night companies get the tenders then they go to their original uh, they you know take a cut and then they go to the original you know construction company to originally do the work you know it's uh, it's another uh, trillion it's McKinsey story. yeah precisely <laughs> I mean that's what that's how the stuff filters in because everybody wants black empowerment to work uh, everybody wants to do black empowerment but it's very difficult to distinguish a true uh, black empowerment deal from you know a skimming deal which is dressed up as a black empowerment deal you know and uh, you know they should be much more aware of you know the difference between the two and Ron, we, yeah. Ron the sort of com clashing policies yeah. on BEE coming out of government I mean, I mean, what I mean, do we uh, do this is where our politicians are playing the game I, I was thinking what, what Tim just said just s summarize so DTI sets this thing right? I'm sure DTI is probably that's the code and so on. And then you have uh, a Ministry of Transport who looks after, uh, I suspect, Sunra. Yeah. So he will want to create his own policy framework and get his own black investors in into maybe Sunra, whatever roles they build. And through them, perhaps the, the whole plan is then he gets his own, creates his own champions within his own his own fort, right? his own uh, sphere of influence, get yeah. his own black players in there who are kind of, in truth, beholden to him. So, that, so in essence, maybe this is how it's all played. So DCI will set it up, which is kind of like a SACP uh, minister in, in Rob Davies, which everyone kind of ignores doesn't have much political capital. And in your own ministry, you create your own sphere of influence. And I guess getting in black investors is where you influence the money flow, right? And where the money goes within your sphere of influence. And they ultimately become your yeah. supporters but in I mean your future no, the political ambitions. I understand what the, the kind of politics of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure that's how the politics yeah. But the problem is, no one's building the roads. Exactly. You know what I mean? I mean, you want the, somebody's going to build the damn roads. Built, right? The country you know, the continues to just melt like yeah, yeah, yeah. a backlog just carries on, carries on to build, and we in, in, in suffer from it. Yeah. But it is ministers and uh, politicians creating their own fiefdom, which is what has been the past ten years of ANC government, right? Where I mean, no one's doing what, what, uh, what the, the left and the right hand is doing, and that has been the way Zuma you know has run this cabinet. Precisely, for the past yeah. 10 years, I mean, right? that's the big problem. The big problem is that you, what you need here mm. is you need, uh, you know, a powerful political leader who yeah. sorts out this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who's, who 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 ensures that everybody, yeah. you know, sort of toes the line and everybody follows and the. Uh, forward, so right? you know, so now we're sitting with a, a kind of like, you know, floating president yeah. who's you know, visiting Zimbabwe and doing other important things. You know, and not sort of concentrating on the you know the detail of what's happening on the ground never has got a trace on that's it, all we have time for for now please join us again next week for another edition of editing aloud